All right, welcome to another episode of the COVID Ciders, a podcast developed by third-year medical students at VCU to explore topics of humanism and medicine. I'm Cap, and I'm here today with Hannah, a nurse who graduated from the Thomas Jefferson University School of Nursing, who now works at Onslow Memorial Hospital in Jacksonville, North Carolina. She's here today to discuss the concept of comfort care and her experiences with caring for patients at the end of their life in the era of COVID-19. Hannah, um, can you introduce yourself a little bit more, and uh, then we can get started. Yeah, so I I actually graduated from nursing school in May, and I started my practice in early November time, so kind of right when the pandemic was getting pretty bad again. Um, yeah. I work on a, it's a step-down ICU floor, um, but currently, you know, we see patients that are ICU level, so I would say it's a mix between ICU to step-down. And uh, we are actually the designated COVID floor in the hospital. So um, up till recently, we had almost a full floor of just COVID patients. Wow. So that, and that's a lot for uh, a new nurse. Right. And it's, you know, I'm starting as a brand new nurse who, you know, I'm trying to get my feet wet with just this profession. And, you know, we've kind of just been thrown into this mess, which is, scary but you know that's kind of how the reality is of this pandemic and it's probably going to affect us for years to come so yeah yeah also well, i'm interested in a story that I've, I've already partially heard about um concerning a particular patient that you cared for and it got me thinking about a concept of uh, de-escalating medical care when necessary and the damaging ramifications of continuing medical care when it's not necessary because it can be harmful to the patient. I think it's a pretty powerful story and I think sharing it can, um, can be really beneficial to other members of the healthcare professions and we can discuss a little bit. Yeah. So just for starters, you know, like I said, being a new nurse, um, definitely my perspective on comfort care has changed a bit from nursing school and, um, taking care of patients in both the ICU and the step-down unit has definitely changed um, this perspective. And I try to remember that, you know, we're in a time where this virus is new and confusing to us as healthcare providers, but more importantly, it's very confusing to family members and just the general public. And so, you know, as nurses, we really have to just stay in touch with our, with the family via phone calls and we're updating them as frequently as possible throughout the day. And with the COVID precautions that are in place in hospitals, we can't have any visitors in COVID positive rooms unless the occasional exception is made. So knowing this, you know, we have family members that are calling confused, wondering, you know, how their father was on room air two days ago and is now getting the highest percent of oxygen that they can get and going off of this um I've had a few patients actually where you know they're not doing so great um like I said that they've their prognosis is poor and the family knows this and they have comorbidities and the family you know despite this they're of course pushing for full measures and what we've done is we make this exception for a family member to come in. And what's happened several times actually is the family member 
will come in and the minute that they lay eyes on the patient and see them in the condition that they are and what they physically look like rather than what they're hearing us say on the phone, um, their decision is just changed entirely. And they go immediately, they can grasp how sick that their loved one is and they switch, they make the decision to switch to comfort care and ultimately avoid this prolonged and most likely fatal ICU stay. And this has happened several times with patients I've had and it just it helps just kind of put into perspective that you can't grasp how sick someone is from hearing on the phone that they saw them you know three days ago before they came to the hospital had some difficulty breathing but were fine as far as they knew and then now right. we're telling them that you know we can't really do much more um, if anything we just are going to intubate them and they're going to stay in the ICU Right. Seeing is literally believing in this case. Right. Yeah. And so, and then you kind of alluded to the fact that, you know, COVID has, has made it harder to stay in touch with the family members as a nurse and also for the patient themselves. Um, can you go into more, a little bit more about that, how COVID's affected it? Well, I'd say a lot of it has to do with just that, um, like I said, like these, these precautions that we have. And on top of that, you know, we, our hospital is at a very high census and we have worried family members calling and, you know, we have, we're, our ratios for who we're taking care of is just too high and the workload is just, it's insane. And, you know, we want to be able to update family members, but at the same time, we're trying to keep oxygen levels at a normal level for five or six different people that are confused because of the COVID and they're, you know, taking off their oxygen or they're trying to get out of bed. And just that part of it makes it hard to be able to talk constantly on the phone and step, you know, take away from patient care to step away out of the room to the nursing station and talk on the phone. And, you know, there's this balance that we have to find because of course we want to update family, but we have to say, you know, we have to do these things first. We have to take care of your family member first before we can update you on on what's going on. And if, you know, COVID wasn't happening, ideally the family would be in the room and they would be seeing what's going on. And we'd, you know, the updating would be a lot less because they would already see a lot of it. And we'd only have to update them on more of the medical jargon part of it. I'm interested in the, the, uh, the story that you, you had shared with me before about a particular instance where the family member not seeing um, a patient resulted in poor patient outcome and particularly um, extended high level medical care for some, for someone who ultimately uh, probably would have undergone less suffering if they had medical care withdrawn. Right. Yeah. So I guess on the flip side of what I used my example earlier with the patient that they the family member came in and immediately changed their decision um on the flip side of that there there was an instance with a patient in the ICU that had been there for several weeks um in some sort of respiratory failure and definitely only staying alive because of the measures we were providing in terms of oxygen the whole ICU and it actually just became that the whole hospital knew about this patient because she'd been in the ICU so long that she'd gone through COVID 
and come out of COVID somehow and still is being, you know, almost tortured in a sense because we know the amount of times that she codes, you know, we have to resuscitate her and she comes back and, right. and she, her, her quality of life is just deteriorating every single time that we code her and we provide CPR and it's, it's just frustrating knowing that we can't really do anything apart from, you know, maybe bring it up to the ethics committee and talk about it in that sense. There's really nothing we can do when the power of attorney is her son and he's making medical decisions for her. Yeah. And so then like, how has that, how has that experience changed your view on how medicine can help people? Like you kind of, talked about in the beginning it's not just about educating and learning about uh covid in the healthcare profession but it's also about educating patients and and people in the community and so right some she this this woman was failed by the system right whether or not it was her son making the decisions or not like there was there was a there's a component of of education lacking in some way that would have allowed this woman to ha- undergo less suffering right. So I was wondering if you could talk about that. Well, I will say just even as being a healthcare professional and being a part of this pandemic firsthand, I I still yeah. have a very difficult time grasping how quickly this virus can deteriorate someone's quality of life. And sometimes I think like maybe it's the geographic or geopolitical area I'm in um, that maybe affects how people view the virus. But I also just in general think that there could be better outreach in terms of educating the public. And I think if they, if people really understood how detrimental the illness is that maybe they would be less reluctant or less surprised by the poor prognosis for, for these patients or for their loved ones. And if, if there was some introduction or more education into the primary care setting in which you know, family physicians can use this relationship that they have with, with their patients and have these really difficult conversations mm-hmm. about, you know, what an outcome would look like for this patient if they were to contract COVID. So just for instance, if a patient with comorbidities such as hypertension and COPD and diabetes, if they see their primary care physician throughout the year, you know, a conversation about how COVID would affect them personally might do might do good because at least in that sense, they could, they could at least understand what a hospitalization would look like for them or what it would maybe look like for them. And then hear it from someone that they trust, that they respect, you know, from someone that they have this relationship with and maybe, maybe, you know, interventions such as comfort care would be made earlier rather than later, or even better. Maybe they would just avoid the virus altogether. I see. That's a pretty good point. Thank um, you. I will say, oh, so John, like how, how my perspective on comfort care and just like how it's changed, sort of how I. Yeah, that's that's so, exactly what I was going to ask. Well, how, yeah. I will say, like in in just nursing school in general, you know, we talk about palliative care, and it's very general, and we kind of just we just learn a little bit how you know it really what it means for the patient rather than rather than the family. And we, 
learn the benefits for the family, but mm. we rarely discuss the emotional side of what goes into this decision for family and that ultimately a delay in this decision could significantly prolong a patient's suffering. And that's just, you know, something that we just don't get into really in nursing school. And, and right. it's definitely what I have witnessed now being, you know, actually providing care. And I think really what it's done is I, I see it as like a way to be a patient advocate and you could look at comfort care and think, oh no, you know, we're not provide we're not doing everything we can to save this person, but there's like an odd sense of relief that comes across the healthcare profession when we discover a patient has a do not resuscitate order or is comfort measures. Um, and just, just a relief in the sense that these patients are very sick and we know how sick they are. And we have, you know, a very realistic perspective on that. And as providers, we're now able to just make them as comfortable as possible. And that's where we get that sort of sense of relief and sense of comfort from. And since beginning my career, which is, you know, only been a few months, but it's been a hard few months, um, mostly treating COVID patients, this has been like the one real time where I felt like my role as a caregiver has just been able to reach its fullest potential that I'm able to use this platform that I have to at least still give the best care to patients by making them as comfortable as possible as they reach the end of their life and the end of their fight. Yeah. And that talking to patients about that early on with someone they trust can improve that that time in their life, the end of that, uh, right. the end of their and life. It's hard because, you know, COVID does, you know, it, it, the issue with it is that it's new and it's, there's research changing every day on it. But for the most part, you know, yeah. if, it's better safe than sorry. And if, you know, if, if physicians or in the family setting, if they could just sort of paint a picture of what a hospitalization would look like for someone that has, you know, these comorbidities that we've been told, you know, COVID will really hit hard. If, if they just had these conversations earlier, maybe, maybe we could just intervene earlier that, that early intervention just could maybe make the biggest difference on their stay in the hospital. Well said. Well, I think that good as any place to end it. So thank you for, thank you for sharing yeah, your you're insight. Welcome. It's yeah. been good talking. <laughs> <laughs> all right well best of luck to you stay safe um and okay. have a good rest of your day thanks cap <laughs>